Welcome, everybody. I am Rachel Levy-Lesser. And I am Stephanie Goldstein, and this is Life Accessories, a podcast about accessories, clothing, fashion, and the stories behind them. We are two friends who love to accessorize and who remember what we wore on pretty much every meaningful occasion, and that is what we love to talk about. You can follow us on Instagram at Life Accessories Podcast and also on Facebook. You can also email us at lifesaccessoriespodcast at gmail.com with comments, questions, or accessory suggestions. And if you like what you're listening to, we would love it for you to share this podcast with a friend and rate and review us wherever you get your podcast. Also, do not forget to subscribe so that you never miss an episode. Today, we are extremely excited to be talking to Christina Party, the founder of Shit That I Knit. How you good is that? a swear word. I know. <laughs> Sorry, listeners. So, uh-huh. I mean, that is like the best name, right? Shit That it's I Knit. It's so good. It's so good. So, but- listeners, if you look up Shit That I Knit, the website or on Instagram, it's actually spelled out S-H, like asterisk star, you know, instead yeah. of the I, T, that I knit. Let me just give you guys a little bit of history here. I first found out about shit that I know, which I can't stop saying now, <laughs> um, where I find out about all the cool things in the world, Instagram, mm-hmm, obviously. Mm-hmm. I don't know. It just popped up as something that I should be looking at. And it's funny because I like to knit mm-hmm. shit. Um, I am a lifelong beginner knitter. I basically make scarves only. I haven't even ventured on into hats and definitely I'm scared to do sweaters, Yeah, but I think it's just such a cool concept and I'm excited to talk to Christina more about how she built the company. I am too. I mean, I'm a shitty knitter. That's for (laughs) sure. Love it. And like you, I can do a scarf. I can do a hat. I've done a few blankets impressive but I can't count I can't remember where I am in a pattern forget it so I'm really amazed at knitters and can't wait to talk to Christina so Christina started shit that I knit in 2014 as a creative outlet a way to share her knitting projects with her friends and family and after selling out of her designs at a local Boston market in 2014 she made the decision to quit her day job selling tech software in 2015 and scaled production to Peru in 2016. Today, I know, right? It's good for her. I I can't wait to hear this story. I love people who quit their day job and move on to something like this. So today I have to say it. I want to say it. Shit that I knit. It makes me so happy. Sells handcrafted knitwear for every season, beanies, mittens, wraps, sweaters, blankets, and more. So really excited to have Christina join us. And for our listeners, after you listen to this, definitely check out her Instagram because you're going to get sucked into it for sure. Yeah. I mean, it's really, really fun to look at. I'm excited to bring her on. Hi, Christina, and welcome to Life's Accessories. We are so happy to have you here. Thank you so much for having me. I'm so excited to be here and so honored. Well, we're thrilled and we're going to get right to it and ask the question that our listeners and we are dying to know what accessory are you planning to share with us today? I am sharing a very special accessory. It is a bracelet that I designed with my friends who own a jewelry store here in Boston called M. Flynn. And it's a gold bangle. It's nice and heavy and it has diamonds on one side. And then on the other side, it has these initials that say N-A-N-G, Nang. And it stands for no ASCII, no Getty, which is a motto of mine. 
Okay, well, we here on Life Success Stories <laughs> love a good gold bangle because yes. really, who doesn't? Can you tell us what those initials, what that statement means to you? Is there a story behind it? Because I feel like there has to be. Yes, there's definitely a story. So when I started my company, I had been in sales prior to that. And my dad always told me I would be good at sales because I'm pretty persistent and outgoing. And, but he always told me like, you know, you've got to ask for the sale and no asking, no Getty. And so it's something that I've always sort of had in my head, obviously not proper English, but it stuck with me. Yeah. Um, and so when I started my own company, I employed that same motto and it's gotten me really far. I've always asked for things. I've always emailed people I was afraid to, and you just never know. The answer is always no. If you don't ask, that's sort of how I think about things. And so in 2017, I met the head of USOPP apparel for Team USA. And I had no business asking him for anything, but I asked him for his card. I stayed in touch about our hats, thinking we would be a really great fit for the Beijing Winter Olympics to create Team USA beanies and mittens. So it was a deal that it took me four years to work out. We stayed in touch, created samples, came up with a business plan on how we could make it work and got the contract signed in the fall of 2021 to launch these incredible hats for that all the Olympians wore and fans. And it was a really big deal for me as a business. And the extra layer on top of this is that I feel like when you own your own company and you're moving so quickly, you rarely actually celebrate the big wins. Like, it's like, okay, yeah, whatever, move on. Like I hardly even take time to take my team out for drinks to celebrate. It's like, we got to keep moving. But I knew this was a really big win. So I went to my friends over at Influence and said, I want to create a piece of jewelry that will remind me of this moment. That won't be like cheesy, but that I can look at and inspire me to continue doing things like that. And so we came up with the Nang bracelet and Ugh. I seriously wear it every day and I'm kind of superstitious about it. Like if I have a big meeting mm-hmm. or a call, I buy something, I'm like, I got to have my Nang bracelet on or yeah. this is not going to work. Um, but you, so- well, you wear it every day. I wear it every day because I, I, I do something that scares me kind of every day. Yeah. So yeah, I always have it on. So what have you done today that scared you? That's what I want to know. Oh, today I have, <laughs> be on this podcast, I'm perhaps. This, I don't should know. Not, this should not be scared. <laughs> today I had a great conversation with a bank. Um, I've oh. been working on financing things and I know that that's not super sexy, but finance stuff usually scares me and I've gotten a lot better at it lately. And I've over the past couple of months have had a lot of those types of conversations. So just like an hour ago had a long chat. So I had my bracelet. We read your bio earlier. So our listeners do know that you are the founder of the fabulously named company shit that I knit. And you mentioned this bracelet that it reminds you of the big get of getting the U.S. Olympic team to sell them your hats and beanies, I should say, for the Olympics, which is just totally amazing. But if we can go back to way before that deal came through and way before your company became what it is now. One of my favorite things to look at on Instagram, by the way, have you been knitting your whole life? How did you get interested in knitting? Pretty much. Um, My mom taught me how to knit when I was 10. We as a family spend our summers in Cape Breton, Nova Scotia. And so I'm one of three girls and on a rainy day, my mom, you know, like all of us moms here are trying to find things for kids to do. Uh, I was like, maybe I'll tra- teach them all how to knit because it's something that she loved to do. And so took us to a knitting store and I decided to knit a purple sweater, like first project out of the gate. And I just loved it. And I was really good at it. And I think now knowing more about myself than I did as a 10 year old, I definitely love doing things with my hands. And it was definitely a stress reliever for me over the years. So I kept up through middle school and high school and college. And so, yeah, that's when I, that's when I learned. And it really just stuck with me. 
That's pretty ambitious to start off with a sweater. I know. I know. That's yeah. impressive. It was. A I've been making scarves for thirty it. years, and I haven't moved beyond <laughs> scarves. I'm no. surprised my mom let me buy that much yarn. I was yeah. like, yeah, yeah. Sweater. Uh, I know, when I, I graduated like- from college, just as a fun thing for my mom and I to do, we did a blanket together. But we did. It was like in strips. It was every other because our knitting yeah. style was a little bit different, and then we just put it all together. But um, so straight lines—that's mm-hmm. what I'm good at, and that's it. Yeah, I'm impressed. That's for yeah. sure. So, what's the most favorite thing that you've ever knit? Oh, I don't know. I've knit a lot of things. I mean, in college, my family always loves to laugh at me because I almost failed my senior art history class because I was knitting these little toy bats, like a like a bat like these little stuffed animal bat things. And I said, they were so funny. And I got like addicted to knitting them and making the wings and attaching everything. And then I had to go to my professor and be like, I didn't finish the final paper yet. And it was due in like a week. I was knitting bats bats and watching Breaking Bad in bed. Like I I just, that's what I was doing. (laughs) And then the other thing I loved in it is Christmas stockings because I love the color work. It's like so addicting. I may stay up until three in the morning. Like, okay, now I do the angel and now I do you know, the Christmas trees and then the, you know, it's addicting. How do you keep track? This is my thing about knitting. Like, how do you, cause there's counting, right? You just follow a pattern. It's, but it is, it's a lot of, but I think that I'm not a super mathematical person per se. Um, But I think like I'm similar to my mom in that I can kind of fudge it and still make it look good in the the knitting style. It's not like perfect, but it's just enough. It works. So I mess up and be like, oh, whatever. I'm not a super perfectionist. Just keep going. Um, That's awesome. That's 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 so funny that you said how you were knitting these bats and watching Breaking Bad because I often, I can't sit still. So um, I often, I knitted several scarves throughout all four seasons of watching Succession with my husband. Because it gets you there, right? It gets you sitting down. And I read reading that like Julia Roberts is always knitting on the set of movies yeah. Mm-hmm. Um, and people so it's very good to I think either for downtime or to sort of make you have that downtime because we're right. all running at such frenetic paces you mentioned before that you worked in sales your dad always said you were good at sales clearly you are we read that you used to work in tech sales and how exactly do you make a transition from working in tech sales to launching shit that I knit it was definitely a blurry line because I was doing both at work at the same time. So I was, I, you know, I graduated from college in college when I was knitting the bats and watching Breaking Bad, my sisters. <laughs> as one sisters, does. Yeah. As one, you know. <laughs> yeah, yeah. I right. was also partying quite a bit. I mean, I, right. I had a lot of different things going on and not a lot of schoolwork. <laughs> my sisters said like, you're such a loser. You should start a website called shit that I knit. <laughs> and so my senior year, I bought the domain on GoDaddy. And I made this like really rinky dink blog that was taking pictures of the bats and then like putting them like a picture up and be like, they're the bats in it. And, um, they're my shitty bats. Sorry. That mittens on the rug in my terrible off campus house. So I would send that blog to like my mom and then the knitting store owner up in Cape Breton to be like, look what I'm up to. And so when I was in tech sales here in Boston, it just became like my fun fact. Hi, I'm Christina. I'm 22, you know, playing an icebreaker game. And I have a knitting blog called shit that I knit and people would laugh. And then when Instagram started ramping up and getting more popular, I got the Instagram handle. So I sort of took it off the blog and put it on Instagram. Yeah. And it was a really great way for me to be creative outside of work, continue taking pictures of what I was knitting and share them that way and found a community of other people who love to knit too. And people at work and my friends, they all wanted to buy things. And I, I just couldn't figure out like, how do you, or they wanted me to make them things. And I was like, 
this is kind of expensive. I'm not just going to like give you this, pay me. Um, but it was kind of awkward. So I decided to apply to a market here in Boston called SOA just to see how it went. I really don't know what I was thinking. My mom very nicely came with me and we had a little tent and a sign from Vistaprint made and we knit all, all summer long, like lots of random hats and gloves yeah. and scarves and stuff like that. And were there any bats? No bats, no, no bats. bats. But I do still have the bats. Maybe I'll send you some pictures. After yeah, this. I want to see the bats. I want to see the bats. I need um, to see the bats. First of all, I'm so I'll scared of bats. I can't we had a bat <laughs> problem too. in our house. I can't believe that you <laughs> oh, would no. knit them, but whatever. They're in my daughter's like toy basket. I love it. One. So we sold those and it just like went really well. And I think when I was there it was noticing that people would sort of nudge their friend and laugh about the name and then come over. And so it made me think like this brand is so important versus the knit, like the actual product. It's all about the branding. It's all about the consumer perception of it and the price point and what we're like the bigger picture than just what we're selling. And so I always say that I don't think if it weren't called shit that I knit, I wouldn't yeah. be sitting here today. It, it really needed like this punchy thing that got people's attention and kept it young. And so that's when it started. I was at another sales job after that. And I wasn't really hitting my quota because I was literally updating my website at work and taking pictures of coworkers against brick walls outside on state street, like mm -hmm. wearing my hat. And it just became the point where I was like, I got to try this for real. So that's how, that's how it happened. I love that. I mean, what a great story and what, and, and brave too. It's like you went and did something totally, you know, based on a hobby, right. That you yeah, enjoyed yeah. that your mom taught you when you were little and to put that yeah. into, to make, turn that into a career is just incredible. So in terms of the winter Olympic games, because I just think that's incredible that you just, you stayed in touch with this person. Like, how did you even get chosen? Like, what is that process? You asked, but yeah, what you, else went you into that, it. right? You, yeah, you, 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 you asked and then you get it. But like, what was that? I mean, I have asked for a lot of things, <laughs> a lot of no's. So I mean, you yeah. have to, we've learned that totally from the podcast too. You got to keep asking. Yeah. yeah. Right. And so like, I can't even remember all the things that have been said no to mm -hmm. um, hundreds of thousands of things. I, I think it just was a really right product market fit. I think that they were looking for something unique. We have this great story and it's female owned and operated and handmade. And so it just fit this niche really well. And I think the product we made actually I have one. I'm, I have our Paris Olympic stuff here too. I don't know if I can Ooh. show it, but um, oh my God, come they're up. so cool. Um, you know, we made the sample and they just really liked them and and so I was figuring out like, how can we actually make this a reality? Gorgeous. Um, but at the time when I offered like, Hey, we could make these, it was, yeah, I was in no business doing that. And then when we got the contract, it was the fall of 2021. And we wanted to launch that fall. Like mm -hmm. that we, so we had to like very, we like bought yarn before we got the formal contract. We were having things made. It was incredibly risky and really nerve wracking. And it was a huge process from like, the decks we had to create and the projections and all the legal stuff. It was a, it was a lot, a big, a big endeavor, but I think getting the stamp of approval from team USA and from the IOC has put a real feather in our cap and has allowed us now we work with the NFL as well. So yeah. um, it sort of launched us into the, the licensing world in a crazy way. So a lot of work and a lot of work by my team. I was just the crazy person saying yes to everything. And then everyone else was the real talent uh, to make it all happen. That's amazing. We saw stuff about your NFL shop. I told my son that I'm like, I need to get you an Eagles hat. I shouldn't say that because you guys are probably Patriots yeah. fans, but <laughs> but we're from Philly. So I'll have to, I'll have to order some of those. That might be a good early holiday gift. 
Um, yes. So your items are all hand woven in Peru, right? Mm-hmm. Yep. So how did you connect, get connected to what sounds like an amazing team of knitters in Peru? I think you have something like over 400 knitters. How do you go mm-hmm. from you and your mom knitting and going to a tent. How does that even happen? So after that first market, my mom were like, this is great. This is so fun. And we started getting orders for Christmas and it was cute and whatever, but we couldn't keep up with demand, obviously. And I had a semblance of a social life and a, a job. So we actually found a team of women in Boston to knit for the company for the first season. Mm-hmm. Um, and I found them all on Instagram. I said, like, if you love to knit like me and stay in on a Friday night, hit me up. And it, I thought it was going to be older women. And it was really all women in their twenties and thirties who similar to me, like watching Breaking Bad and knitting or knitting <laughs> on their commute or whatever it is. And so I love Breaking Bad. Such a good job. The first um, attempt at making the production a little bit bigger than just me and my, my mom, mm-hmm. um, we ended up doing a Kickstarter that following September. So we worked up inventory over the summer so I could do a Kickstarter raised $25,000 in like a day and, and then fulfilled those orders by Christmas. But once that Christmas of 2015 rolled around, it was just very apparent that the group I had in Boston, while it was really great and supportive and really fun, it wasn't super scalable. And I was spending so much time on making the product that I didn't have enough time to build the business. Mm -hmm. And so, um, I had no connections. I was an art history major, I'm not in like a manufacturing background. So it was not something I like knew how to do, but I Googled some stuff and I was getting a lot of our yarn from Peruvian companies where they make a really lovely Merino wool. So I Googled like Peruvian knitter, like how do you get knitting? I found on online this nonprofit that connects artisans to brands. And so I, I just called this woman and was like, how do you do this? And she connected me with the group we work with today. And that was when they were still really small too. And they had a brand that they were knitting for, but they had so many women looking for this kind of work that they started like shopping out this opportunity to work with their team. So I think our first order with them was like 500 units. It was like my, all my savings. I was so nervous. I sent it all down, didn't meet them, did everything over Skype. And then that was our first attempt. So it was probably like, a handful of people knitting for us at first. And now it's oh, a little overwhelming. That's incredible. Really That's incredible. So all of your products are handcrafted you, using eco-friendly and sustainably sourced materials. And yeah. we know you have a big commitment to sustainability. Can you share with us a bit about that? Yeah. I mean, I just care about you know, a, a product lasting season over season. Like I don't think mm-hmm. you should be buying that at H and M or Zara and saying, I'm going to wear this once and then throw it out. It's just so wasteful. I still see beanies walking around Boston that I knit back in 2015. I mean, they really hold up and it, they're really warm and really soft. And people who say like, Oh, I don't wear wool. They think this is cashmere. It's so yeah. luxurious. And then from the handmade pr- pr- like side of things, it just was such an odd concept for me to think, Oh, I'm going to go send this off to China and have it made by machine when I love making it with my own hands. And then on top of that, through the experience of working with our team in Peru, I care so deeply about the community we work with there. And when we go to visit, we're making a significant impact on people's mm-hmm. lives. Mm-hmm. Most of them are moms and um, you know they have multiple children, but they're not really able to leave the home to work, but they want to bring an in income. And so this is a way for them to make income while at home, while taking care of their kids, you know, during nap time or lunch, they can whip up a beanie and make some money for their families. Plus they're incredibly talented and the product is much improved since I started making them. So there's lots of factors, but I really love supporting that community. And I love using materials that, you know, are going to last and are good for the earth and our plastic um, 
love so. that. That is so amazing. Like from all angles, just because I was laughing about what you said about H and M because I have a 17 year old daughter and I'm like, I'm not buying you this stuff. That's going to last for five seconds. You buy a well-made sweater, you buy a good coat, a good pair of whatever, and it does last. It's better for you. It's better for the environment, all of that. So I think that's so interesting. You do so much good for the world. Can you also tell us about um, your give a shit knit kits and how that came to be? Cause I think that's so interesting. Yeah. So as, as I mentioned before, and I feel like you guys know, like knitting can be very therapeutic and relaxing. Mm-hmm. Yes. Hands. Um, and so a couple of years ago, a, a friend of a friend of mine was diagnosed with leukemia um, and her friends asked me to come and teach a knitting class for a couple of girls and her mom and her mom's friends. Um, and so I put these kits together and drove out to Wellesley and taught them all how to knit. And we hung out and had wine and just chatted. And her mom came up to me after and said like, Hey, Christina, I just have to tell you that's the first time in months that I haven't thought about her cancer. Like I just for two hours taking my mind off things and it really stuck with me. And she's like, you know, I just was really nice to just give my, myself a break. And so it sort of made me think about how could I do this for more people? And I, I love that I was doing it for someone my own age and, and serving our, my peers. And so I uh, decided to focus on young adult cancer programs uh, because I think what I've learned over doing all this is that it is an underserved area. People just don't really know what to do with a 20 something year old with cancer. Mm-hmm. Like you're moving home and it's just terrible and your independence is taken away. And so just a way to brighten up someone's day, whether it's just like getting the knitting kit bag and thinking it's funny or actually picking up a project and creating something. We also wanted it to be a project that you could do from anywhere because people are immunocompromised. So we created YouTube videos so people can hop on an iPad and watch a video and teach themselves without having to go to a class. So we've donated hundreds and hundreds of these things. We work with Lion Brand, which is a, a yarn company mm-hmm. in New York. And they have been incredibly generous donating all the material. So I'm just really putting it together and and getting in touch with young adult programs. So it's something that's, that's so cool. Nice to share. That yeah. is so that's cool. Really, really neat. I'm thinking about this connection with knitting and being therapeutic. My dad was in the hospital this winter in Florida and I went down there and of course it was like hundred degrees in Florida, but I sat there with him and I knitted this cool wool, navy blue scarf for him. And it was yeah. something for me to do and yeah. it was therapeutic yeah. and he loved it. And I've always heard about the ladies in the hospitals knitting the hats for the new babies. Yeah. There definitely yeah. is a connection there to knitting being yeah. therapeutic. Yeah. 100%. And it's like there's lots of different aspects of, be, of it being therapeutic. Like one thing is it could be like really simple and you can let your mind wander, or it can be really technical and you like literally can't think about anything else besides your knitting. And then there's the added benefits of giving someone something or being proud of a project. So there's just like lots of tangential things that I love about it. And so it's nice to share with someone who needs something, even if they hate it and they toss it out. Right. right. Well, maybe the tote bag, you know, it's something to do, which is so important. So going back to your company and the different products that you offer, um, the two part question, what's the favorite thing that you offer? Right. And, but what's your best seller? My favorite thing is that, I mean, our beanies are just the best. They're just like the best beanies in the world. They're so warm. I mean, I, I've grown up skiing up at Cannon Mountain in New Hampshire. It's freezing there. You walk out in New Hampshire with that hat on and your head is always warm. I also really love our mittens because, you know, I can see any right here. Um, I invented the texting holes. So we have like little holes in the oh. thumb so you can poke your finger out and text. Nice. 
zip up your March. coat um, March. and also our mittens are like so so warm so yeah and our best sellers are our beanies it's still like you know 80 to 90 percent of yeah. what we sell is, is beanies because people want them and love the pom-poms our pom-poms yeah. are all interchangeable so you can like snap them on and off and <laughs> that's brilliant the pom-poms are all the rage love They're that. all the rage every love year that. Every year we have a pom-pom problem. And last year I said I was going to quit my job if we had another one and I didn't. Wait, what what's the, the pom-pom problem? Pro- yeah, I know. That's a new year. Yeah. I always laugh at like, I have, you know, some of my best friends are like lawyers supply and chain doctors. Thing? What right, and that? you're dealing I'm with like, pom-poms. Yeah, pom-poms. Like, All right, so what pom-poms. happened? Oh, every year. I mean, every year there's something wrong. The first year I was in business, I used real fur because that's what everyone was. This was uh, oh, <laughs> we're like oh, like, oh yeah that's a pom-pom problem right? that's a pom-pom problem that's got attacked by PETA PETA put me on oh, their website and, come on. and oh. I was like I am not selling that many like this okay, is so right. attacking you look at all the good right? I know yeah and then we switched from the real fur to faux fur and then we had to switch to snaps so then people wanted different snaps for their hats and then one year the pom-poms were just like spontaneously and then last year we had a new supplier and they got shipped over from China and some flew, some went by boat. The ones that went by boat sat in vacuum sealed bags for, you know, eight to 10 weeks. So they were so smushed and we had to send Sarah, my team, who's my you know first hire and our pom-pom supplier to our fulfillment center to brush every single pom-pom with a pet brush. Pom-pom gate. It's always a pom-pom thing. It's unbelievable. <laughs> what do we think the um, pom-pom issue is going to be this time? There aren't, can we not have any pom-pom issues? I know there is. I know we're already having inventory problems. Um, so well, we'll deal are, with it. Are you thinking of new products to add to your line? How broad do you want to take it? My usual answer for this is that it's not, I don't really want to broaden our line. I think we lead with our best foot forward, which is our beanies and our winter accessories. It's just getting in front of more people. Mm-hmm. Um, we still have such a huge market to scoop up. We are nowhere near where I want it to be. And so it's just identifying more people who don't know about us, don't know about our story and don't know about our products. And so um, sticking with the beanie is our primary seller is is still on my mind. And I think where our business is really growing very quickly is in the licensed product yeah. area where Team USA and with the NFL and a couple of other things in the works, these like customizable team or corporate or, you know, school related beanies are really, really popular. So that's, that's what have you tapped into schools yet? We have like independent schools trying to work on college. uh, And, but I think there's just like an endless amount of, yeah, it's all about the merch. It's all about the merch. It truly Uh is. It truly is. So going back to your bracelet. What's the next ASCII, if you can tell? Like, do you know what it is? <laughs> you may or may not be able to tell us. I can't tell you the real one. But... Okay. Uh-oh. Tell uh, us the fake one. We'll be looking on Instagram. We'll be looking, yeah. yeah. I always think about um, the no ASCII, no Getty as a as like a muscle you have to keep working. And so when people ask me about like starting a business and how scary it is, I just, and even in life, like I just encourage people around me to do things that scare you regularly so that it's not as scary. It's just like putting yourself out there regularly makes it not as hard. And so I'm just constantly saying like, yeah, I don't know. Like, I'll just ask, I'll just call, I'll email, I'll see what happens. I'd so much rather get a no than wonder what if. And that's why I quit my job. I said to my family, like, Hey, I'd rather, I'd rather fail than regret this. I'd rather look back and I think I said like my fear of failure is 
my fear of regret. And so I just want to try it and give myself a year and try this business and see what happens. And here we are eight years later. I- I'll often say to people, like, what's the worst thing that could happen? Right. Someone yeah. says no, yeah. right. Might as well yeah. go for it. We say that to ourselves all the time. They're going to say no. Yeah. It's okay. We can can take it. Yeah. (laughs) We talked a little bit about your Instagram. Where can our listeners find you? Where do you want them to go to learn more about shit that I knit? Our Instagram is at shit that I knit. That's definitely a good place. And then our website is shit that I knit.com. Um, and then if you want to see things in stores, we sell at Nordstrom. We'll be at Bloomingdale's this year. That's new. Um, Tucker knock or in all the NFL stadium stores or a lot of them. Um, so you can find us in person too, and a lot of amazing boutiques around the country as well. Um, so we're all over the place. This has been so, cool. so much fun to talk to you. I just, I love your story. What a fun company, what wonderful <laughs> things you're doing for the world, right. And for people just what a pleasure. Thank you so much for joining us today, Christina. Thank you so much for having me. And I, I love your podcast. I think it's such a creative idea. I think, Thank you. you know, we all struggle with how, how can you make a podcast different? I think that it's such a great concept, um, and a really good conversation. So I, I really thank you for having me. Well, thank thanks. You. We loved it. And we're, I'm going to yeah. get back to knitting later on tonight. Yeah. You've inspired me too. too. I think yeah. I am too. <laughs> we hope you enjoyed this episode of Life's Accessories. Please don't forget to subscribe, rate us, and get in touch. Thanks for tuning in.